Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Right, America, the Sending out good vibes. They have a requirement, if it's reasonable evidence, and this is, to uh, call a special grand jury and to present the evidence uh, to the grand jury. That's not something that's discretionary. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Great America Show. A uh, little pre-Christmas special, number 321. Um, we're going to be chatting with uh, Richard Gage. Is that who we're chatting with? Well, I, I don't know if he's got other guys coming out. We, we're doing it later on tonight, so I don't really know. But that's who I this intro is for? Well, I, I we might know. as well I make thought it. you sent some other people's bios and stuff, and it might be other people as well. And yeah, there's a few of them for sure. Really? All on, but now I'm wondering together? if, what like, what episode are we going to release? The 9-11 one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're talking to Richard Gage and some other members of the architects. There's some news. And engineers for 9-11 Truth. There's supposedly some news. And, uh, and I guess yeah, we're, we're at getting, the level now where we get the call. Yeah, someone called. They called me and said, hi, Graham Dunlop. And I said, no, I know him, though. And then they said that they had some big news and they wanted to get Richard on the show right away. I said, how about next week? And they said, no, how about sooner? So we'll see what's happening. Uh, I, I'm not fully sure. It's got something to do with a grand jury and some big break, but we'll see. But first, we got an intro to do. And we're going to do that and get take care of some housekeeping. with And uh, two more shows and then that. With little, little Graham so Dunlop. Like seven hour. That's, if it, that's only for the live people. What? That's only for the live people. No, no, for us. I'm for just, us, yeah. Yeah, for us, yeah. too. Little Graham Dunlop's here. How's it going, bud? Good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. How you doing? Last show of the year. Last, well, last recording night of the year. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, because you're mm. gone. Well, no. We're, oh, yeah. Yeah, it will be, yeah. 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 So, anyway, what do you got? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, you're going to go on a trip soon, right? You're yeah, going back home? two days off. Fuck, I Northern cannot, Ontario? I cannot wait you're to get the for, fuck yeah, out of here. I know, I'm looking forward to it. A couple days off, too. It'll be nice. I'm off for two full weeks. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. I haven't had two full weeks off since my wedding. What? I feel like you're always taking two weeks off. No, it's always less. It's always like a week and a half, because I always got to save enough. Oh, it's always like you know, 10 days or whatever. Yeah, you got to You just like, try and get between those two weekends. And yeah, exactly. And, so that you're not in a rush or yeah. whatever, you know. But You're always in a rush. I seem to be perpetually in a rush, yeah. You got a lot of phone calls the other day. Oh, fuck. Weren't you commenting? Oh, on my God. Wasn't that in the meeting? You mean? What are you talking about? You, you mentioned somebody had said, like, was astounded by the amount of times Phone was ringing. Oh yeah, it was Buddy from the shop. Yeah, I mean we don't have to get into it. He came up to the field. He was just like Jesus Christ. I was yeah. like, Yeah, Ron, a day in the life of yeah, yeah. just fucking doesn't stop ringing. Like hundred phone calls a day, kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, hundred do it. Well, anywhere between like twenty and one hundred and twenty, depending. Like one hundred twenty is a really bad day. There's only like maybe three or four of those a year. Like that's just nonstop. You hang that motherfucker up, it's fucking ringing again. 
just want to throw it out the fucking window. Yeah. But two weeks of that will be basically gone for two weeks. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And then we'll be in the new studio. And then we got one more show at Brody's and then we'll start moving in the new studio. Right on. So we're about two weeks away from uh, having the fucking, just the studio room is twice the size of this room, I bet. Yeah, looking forward to that move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great. Not that we, I mean, we love it here at Brody's <laughs> oh, too, yeah. but it's just, you know, it'll be nice to spread out a little bit, have our bookshelf back. Have our books not in storage. Yeah. That'll be a big step in the right direction. So I feel like playing a jingle, buddy. Well, I've I've been saving this awesome synchro synchro, so I'm and I'm looking forward to reading this. Should you be saving synchros? Well, I mean, no, I just you can't do a five hour intro, so you got to spread them out a little bit. Says who? Says me. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, let's go with this one then. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. So, hey guys, Darren, Graham, how's it going? This is Anthony Clark. Anthony Clark. I'm the dude who recently emailed you the video of the ominous lightning strike over Philadelphia. I didn't even show it to you, Darren. I, I didn't. I didn't show it to you. It How could blurry. you not show it to me? I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I should have. It was a bit blurry because he, I think he explained that in the past email where he had to use a different camera or whatever, but it was still pretty, very interesting. Saw something in the clouds and was watching this weird cloud formation and, and then zap lightning. Anyways... He says, again, I wanted to say how much I appreciate the work you guys put into making your shows and how much I really love listening. I can't get enough, and I'm definitely going to become a paying subscriber real soon. Keep up the awesome work. As promised, the following is the most inexplicable synchronicity I have so far experienced. I'm not sure that I'll be able to co uh, communicate just how amazing this is, and I'm sure I've overlooked some of the synchronous details, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Excellent. <clears throat> It was mid-August, eight years ago. I had just begun working for a woman and her husband on a freelance job to reinstall a private art collection. My friend and roommate had gotten me the job and had been working for the couple for a few weeks prior. So for anonymity purposes, we'll call the woman R and we'll call my friend E. E met R. Roger and Emily. E met R while we were working together on a different project, designing the interior of a boutique that R and her family had just happened to reside above. During the same period, I was also working for a moving company here in Philadelphia and getting ready to move out of my good friend's house where E also lived and into a different apartment. At this point in my life, I was going through some major changes. I was going through a rough breakup and I was full of guilt and remorse because of it. I was often thinking about where I was headed. I think I was living through the dark night of the soul period, awaiting the sweet incline of the mountain leading out of the darkness of the valley that my spirit had been traversing. I decided I needed a change, and I just about fully decided to move out where I was living. This is relevant, and I'll explain why in the following. 
So one day after R, E, and I had finished working, we were all driving home together when I asked if we could stop by the mover's garage that I was working for to pick up some boxes to pack my stuff as I was getting ready to move. As we were driving, R began telling E and I a story. She said that about 10 years ago, which would be approximately 18 years ago at present, when she and her husband were married, R's mother had made them a wreath out of natural items from a forest for a wedding present. They didn't know it, but somewhere within the wreath was a praying mantis egg sack. She said that the next day, they came home to find hundreds of baby praying mantises skittering all over their house. Now, I don't know why she decided to even tell us this, but E and I agreed that it was a pretty cool story, and that was the end of it, or so we thought. Here's where it gets interesting. The very next day, after R told us the mantis story, I was in the kitchen packing up my stuff, and E was helping me. At this point, I hadn't signed a lease and could have changed my mind and stayed where I was if I wanted to. And so I was questioning myself as to whether or not I was making the right decision by moving out. As I was thinking about that, E said, what the hell was that? Something had fallen onto his shoulder and tapped him. I looked at his shoulder and there it was, a baby praying mantis. <laughs> we both immediately looked up at the ceiling and sure enough, there were hundreds of baby praying mantises running oh, across God. the ceiling <laughs> and began falling onto us. That just sounds like the... <laughs> Most fucking terrible shit ever. We were both amazed and tried to make sense out of the whole thing right then. I just go into Starship Troopers mode right away and start fucking those (laughs) things up. You you don't like those things? I'm freaking out a little bit. Hundreds of fucking any sort of bug in my immediate proximity is going to cause some panic probably unless they're ants. Yeah, even ants. Or mosquitoes. I think I got uh, bit by fire ants. uh, and it was a kid and it kind of creeped me out a little bit, like standing on the hill and they'd all come up and you have to run away. And oh yeah, it's, it's, it's creepy. Fucking bugs are the worst, man. All right, continue. Okay. I'm just spreading out this email a little bit so I can read it. You're <clears throat> formatting on the fly. Wow. This guy is fly, a yeah. pro <clears throat> formats on the fly. Dunlap. Yeah. I've lost myself. So. I'm not surprised. <laughs> this is what happens when you format on the fly. We were both amazed, and I tried to make sense out of the whole thing. Right then and there, I recognized the event as being some kind of sign or symbol that was telling me I was making the right decision, and I indeed moved out into the new apartment. That event stuck with me, but I think E brushed it off as a coincidence, as he's a very logical, materialist type of person, but deep down, I think he knew something beyond coincidence that just happened. This event gave way to a series of others concerning myself, R, and her family. That point toward the possibility of R and I being linked together in some metaphysical way. About three years later, R and I had fallen out of touch. I was going through yet another bad breakup. I developed a drug problem and decided to go to rehab. When I arrived at the rehab, unbeknownst to either of us, R's daughter was there too. What are the chances that both of us would choose the same rehab facility? 50 miles or so from Philadelphia at the same point in time. I hardly knew R's daughter at that time, and we, and we had only met once before that. I now understand that R and I probably know each other through many different lifetimes, and according to Edgar Cayce's reading, Robert Monroe's book, and Dr. Brian Weiss's books about reincarnation, this is most likely the case. Flash forward five years to the end of this past summer. I'm going through yet another bad breakup, Jeez, 
And I'm getting ready to move out of my ex-girlfriend's house and into an apartment. I was outside smoking a cigarette, wondering again if I had made the right decision by choosing the apartment slash neighborhood that I was getting ready to move into when I felt something hit my forearm. I looked to see what had hit me. Praying mantis. And lo and behold, a a baby praying mantis landed on my arm. So the second time he's in his old place trying to debate whether he he moves or where he moves to and this mantis comes out. Maybe that was reminding him that he'd made the wrong choice the first time. (laughs) I was having the same thought about whether or not I was making the right decision and moving. And I was going through major life changes when both praying mantis events took place. The weird thing is it was the day after she told her story. You know, it's funny. Overwhelmingly in most cultures, the mantis is a symbol of stillness. Hmm. Why is that funny? Well, because to me, stillness would be the opposite of moving away. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe you should stay, stay right there. Uh, clean your room. Yeah. I immediately reached for my phone and took some pictures of the baby mantis, now framed and hanging on my bedroom wall. As I was snapping photos of the little fella, guess who called? X. No. Yes. <laughs> None other than R, who I hadn't heard from in about two years. I told her what had just happened uh, again, and we were both. These amazed. letters are throwing me off because I don't know. Ours, yeah, yeah you're, I, I know. You were, you were thinking the right thing. But yeah. So, how crazy is that? I mean, I can only conclude that this series of events is far beyond chance. On another occasion, a fully grown mantis had landed on my shoulder. On yet another occasion, a fully grown mantis must have landed on my head without me knowing, as my friend began freaking out as he pointed it out to me. What are the chances of seeing one praying mantis, let alone two separate grown mantises land on you? And what witnessing hundreds of hatchlings indoor in inner city Philadelphia, what are the different variables, the odds, all the events aligning are astronomical? How many praying mantis, I wonder what the praying mantis population of Northeast is. We got another one here that says uh, the praying mantises may also be a reminder to act more mindfully. I believe that synchronous events are a method of which other portions of ourselves, perhaps our higher selves, can use to communicate with the portion of ourselves that exists in the here and now, 3D physical reality. To this day, I continue to experience multiple synchros daily. In fact, I experience them so often that this is very strange if I go a single day without experiencing at least one. Most are numerical in nature concerning mostly number 11 and other series of repeating numbers. I notice them when I'm in low spirits, it happens much frequently. And when I was in an active addiction, they totally disappeared. When I got sober, they started back up. The mantises? The synchronicities. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this <laughs> compound synchronicity. And I hope that this story will help open some more people up to the possibility that there's far more to our existence than just the physical aspects of our reality and much, much more than what we can physically perceive. Thanks again, Anthony Clark. Transformers. More than meets the eye. Uh, that was a good one. I'm going to give it a eight. And let eight. me know if it happens again, and I'll add a point to it. Well, hope it's not going to happen again. That, that I hope not. It's over because he's probably moved on, and you know he's probably making a lot of assumptions here. But that R being wrapped around both ends of that is pretty crazy. I Telling the story I, the day the, before. The, the R thing, I don't, I did the R thing is, yeah, I, 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 the, the letters were so I should have just made up a name. She should have just made up names. Yeah, you should have made up names, yeah. 
Make up some names. Let's do it again in a year and see if the score changes. <laughs> Are you looking at me? I was thinking, because I was thinking about all the sinkholes that have happened to me lately. Oh, I don't want to talk about them. That's you okay. don't? No, it's okay. Why? Maybe one day. Okay. Yeah. Dude, they're pretty personal right now. Okay. Yeah. Pretty powerful, though. Powerful? Yeah. Powerful synchros? Yeah. Well, they're not really, they might not even be sinkholes. They might just be magic. I don't know. We'll, we'll, Anyways, so hey, I got some feedback from uh, from somebody. You want to do, do that in the, into uh, our support segment and talk about the CAC and our move and let everything? Me, and let me get through oh, this first yeah, yeah, because some, it's a uh, tough one. I okay. got to like change programs for All that right. jingle because I haven't. Oh, yeah, maybe I, I could like up. maybe I could take the time to uh, put the jingles all on the board. You know what? I, I actually I was cleaning off the laptop the other day. Get up. I accidentally deleted the entire podcast folder. The whole thing. All the fucking masters. Okay, what? No. I don't know. I just didn't notice and then emptied the bin. No. Luckily, I just backed it up a cut like two weeks before on, my hard, oh my. on the hard drive. So just like, ooh. Yeah. Like you emptied the garbage and you dumped it in the garbage like a double mistake? You dumped in the garbage by mistake and then emptied the garbage by Daisy mistake? Daisy Disc skips the recycling bin. What? Like Daisy Disc, the program I use for, for cleaning. Yeah, skips that. It asks you a couple times. Are you sure? Wow. But it's not like in list form. Like you would have noticed in the trash. There's the podcast folder, but Daisy Disc doesn't really like break it down like that. So I just like beep, and I was like, holy fuck, where's the fucking? Wow. Yeah. Put a pen and paper and write this down, or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grimerica show? At P.O. Box 16033, next line, uh-huh, 100-815, 17th Avenue, SW, next line, uh-huh, Calgary, Alberta, next line, uh-huh, Canada, next line, uh-huh, T2T, space, 5H7, that's the P.O. Box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Because he's got a dirty sock fetish, uh-huh. Nice Why shot. Don't you send no more dirty socks. Nice shot. So we got some Canadian money? Socks a long time. No, we haven't. Some people did say they sent some weed too. It must have got picked off at the border. It's got to be like a 30% fail rate. No, it's got to be less than that. They know Which, it got picked off at the border? No, I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? I just assume when things don't make it, that customs grabbed them. And that some customs dude is smoking my weed in his basement. So here we got a nice card. It says... I can't believe it. One fingerless mailman, and I'm on the naughty list. And it's a picture of a, uh, what do you think that is, a Boston Terrier? Yeah, probably. 2018, if you can't be good, be merry. Merry Christmas from The Rock to the Grimerica family. Love your show. All the best for 2019. Thanks. And I thought his name would be in there, but it's not, so I'm going to go back to the envelope. Well, no, you don't, I don't, it might be anonymous or something. Okay, because I, I ripped off the part where the first name was, so I don't know what his first name is, and I don't want to say it. What do we got here? No, that's the other side. <laughs> so again, I've opened up the opened up the mail with a little too much aggression. Is that it? No. Okay, well, thanks from the newfie. We know he's a newfie. That's all we know for sure. What else you got? Uh, Nothing? Yeah, read your, uh, do you want a jingle for that? Nah, we're okay. We don't need a jingle. You go ahead. Go into your email. 
today, Junior. Hey, guys. My wife and I love your show. The variety of guests and subjects you cover are always interesting. We appreciate all your hard work and time put into the shows for no monetary reward and just want to say thank you. As whoa, a subscriber. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hang on, wait, 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 wait. As a subscriber, I have a message to the freeloading listeners. I completely understand the fact that many of you can't pay a high price for such a great show. But don't don't you think these guys deserve something in return? There's no set price like other show subscriptions, and that is a great deal in itself. So buy these fuckers a beer or a coffee or even an empty solo cup for their hard work. <laughs> if you're getting four shows a month for $1.11 a month payment, that's only $0.27 cents a show. Plus, you get all the that's membership That's only $0.13 benefits. Cents each, and we got to pay tax on that. Even a low one-time payment is better than nothing. They truly deserve more than what they're getting. So pay up, motherfuckers. They deserve it. That was Harold, our buddy. Harold's been around for a while. Thanks, Harold. Harold from Florida? Probably. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's one of the early ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nikki, early things. Well, I'd, I would have to agree with Harold. Yeah, I would, that's, kind of the, that's kind of my thing. Yeah, we want to keep it ad-free and sponsorship-free. 27 cents a show isn't bad. I mean... Try and think of what other shows you're maybe getting in your life for 27 cents a show, and I don't think there's any. Yeah, Divide your phone, but take your cable bill, divide it by the number of shows you watch, (coughs) and by the number of shows you get in a month and see how much it's costing you per episode. My cable would be huge if I did that. Yeah, you're probably (laughs) paying like 20 bucks an episode or something. (laughs) What is it? What are you watching? What's your... Nothing right now. Oh, see, you're just... (laughs) So if you start watching one show, it's $60 a month or $100 a month or whatever it is. But, you know, to break it down that way, $0.27 cents a show isn't too much. Um, that's why there's a $1.11 plan is kind of there for the people that can't afford it. But uh, we get it if you can't afford nothing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And we don't fine. mind. That's why we do the show for free. Yeah, we because, do the black uh, budget there for some extra content. We got some stuff in there right now. That Darren's reading a couple essays. I'm reading a couple essays. There's so much shit to do in the back. In the I've got... Uh, I've got I've got some different types of content rolling up in the black budget. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. The black budget is really starting to shape into something. We did neglect it for a little while there, but it's really turning turning the corner, I think, and sort of kind of taking shape into what it's going to be. Which is exciting. And that's uh, and to get access to that, it's only any any donation, any one time, any monthly. We made it sort of value for value like that. So. Yep. And of course, yeah. So honestly, guys, you know, I get it. It's the week before Christmas. You're probably broke. Can't sign up now. But hey, if you can't afford around Christmas, fine. We get it. Let's maybe in the new year, your new year's resolution could be to sign up for at least the dollar eleven a month subscription. Because here's the thing. We just, uh, Brody's kicking us out. He's had enough. Told us we got to go. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Brody would never do that. Brody's been great. But we did finally pick up the space. So, you know, we're moving into that. We've got one more show in January 2nd that we're doing in this space, and then we're moving into the new space. We already had to pay rent, so the account is empty now, you know. So it's just kind of one of those things. It's a growing pain that now we're going to have another fixed monthly expense that we never sort of got. We thought we'd get to. Don't get us wrong. It's super exciting to get oh, there. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. We're stoked to get into this space and have a yeah. studio and be able to start doing some you know, sharing the space with some other people and doing some maybe little events there. And, you know, the, the possibilities become endless now that we've got a, you know, an actual space that's not just eight feet by eight eight feet, feet, you know, like we've got like 10 of those all of a sudden. I can't wait. So 
Uh, we're super excited. So donate your old couches and yeah. Chairs. Oh, if you're local and you've got some furniture, let us know for sure. Um, but I, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah. Okay. I think I lined us up with some sick chairs. Okay. Do you want? Do you want me to read this? Speaking of donations, and we've actually well, I just want to say our, support okay. the show. Grammarica.ca/support. I think you know your New Year's resolution. If you've been listening and you like it, is to you know try and get to the point in 2019 where you can sign up for at least a buck a month. I think that's a good goal. Uh, now we've got the options of uh, PayPal and Stripe. I mean, Patreon. The, let's be honest. PayPal and Stripe are the preferred methods. I've just started really, I mean, aside from all the shit people are saying about Patreon right now, uh, I started looking at, because I just sort of set the Patreon thing out because a couple of people asked for it. But those motherfuckers are taking like 20%, which is like five times what PayPal or Stripe takes. Stripe take. Yeah. PayPal and Stripe both take about the same percent, which is about 3% plus 30 cents a transaction. But having said that, I mean, if people... But hey, we're not... That's what I said. And I sent out a message to all of our... Is that just my ear ringing? Or is there a ringing? I think it's just your ear. Okay. See, how do you you protect against that? So you sent a message message To all the patrons, because there is a big mass exodus of Patreon going on right now. And I just said, look, uh, Graham and I haven't discussed leaving Patreon. We're not going to leave Patreon. You know, our our, our stance is we're going to stay on all the platforms until we can't, because we can't afford to stop cutting off. We're not at the point where we can cut off any sources of support. Or, you know, we need every cent we can get. Because some of those people just might not sign up on another exactly. platform or whatever. Exactly. I mean, it looks like cracks, PayPal like- did something to inactive accounts. Because like I said, right after we had that PayPal issue, we lost about 30 or 40 fucking subs, which is like, no, you know, which is many? Like, well, probably 30 at least. No I'd say. Way, I haven't really? gone through, but and a few of them were switching to Stripe. So it's still sort of shaking itself out. But, you know, I think PayPal did something that might have. Some people got locked out kind of like we did, and maybe they didn't have as much luck as we did, but something went on there where we lost, you know, probably like 5% of our supporters over that fucking blurb. Do you want me to read the thing on hate speech on Patreon? Yeah, you can read that in a second. Yeah, but that being said, we are going to stay on Patreon, um, but we are available. So that's grammar.ca slash Patreon, but we would prefer if you went with uh, either the PayPal options on grammarica.ca slash support or... Uh, the Stripe options at grammarica.ca slash Stripe. Uh, the reason being, they're just sort of the the better ones for at this moment. That might change, but for now, those are the sort of the more trusted platforms. Patreon, I'm not worried about getting kicked off so much as I don't like that they take 20%. And cryptocurrency, well, what, I mean... What do you I'm, think I'm, about the hate speech part? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. But we don't, we don't even hit that level of stuff. So I'm not worried about getting kicked off Patreon and I don't want to leave it out of anything, but I mean, I'm, I don't like just the percentage is crazy. That's crazy. No, I know. I know, but it's, I mean, Libson wants 50, so it's not that crazy. I know, but I, I'm just, you know, the, the main thing is, is it's disgusting. Be- I mean, uh, we would 100% support our Patreons if they want. I would support them anyway. This just adds to it. That'll support them more if they want to switch to a Stripe or a, PayPal. Hmm. Do you want me to read this? Yeah, and read it up. I heard Peterson might be developing one. So I'll read some of it anyway. I could use a minute here anyway. Some creators and patrons have questions regarding. So this is from Patreon itself, right? Yeah. It's a it's a basically a a memo out to everybody talking about the removal of Sargon of Akkad. And he says, I don't know how to pronounce that. 
He says, uh, some creators and patrons have questions regarding our removal of Sargon of Akkad for hate speech. We take a strong stance against hate speech and want to make sure everyone has the full context regarding this removal. Before getting into the specifics, I'd like to warn you that there's some inflammatory language. So this is in an interview on another creator's YouTube channel. So they've gone and found... Or who knows? I mean, they didn't find it. Well, someone found someone, it and who sent knows? Them they to might it. have an army of people looking for this shit. No, nah, I don't think so. Oh, dude, this I think is it's a, all, this is people think this is. I think saving it's all the people world. Send, yeah, that's what I think. They got an army of people. I don't think they're paying them. I think there's plenty <clears> of volunteers. In an interview with another creator's YouTube channel, Sargon said, "I, I don't know if I want to read this whole thing because they've got it all starred out and yeah, like it's. What? I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I could see why you might not want to read it." Anyways, he's definitely, it's definitely hate speech. I mean, he's slurring. It's like you're acting like a bunch of da da da. Um, yeah, he's. he's I haven't he's heard it. That's why I kind of I didn't want to comment on it because I haven't heard it in context. I've only seen what they typed. So. Well, and it's hard to get the context out of that, right? If I, I'd have to it, listen to the whole episode or whatever it was before I could make a full comment. But whatever they pulled out of it looks fucked up to, to read. You know, when I read that, I was like, wow, I would never say that. Okay, let's let's just put that actual content aside and just read the rest of the memo. Yeah, because okay. it says some people. Because I don't want to extend that if it's out of context. Yeah. Some people worry that we are reviewing content not posted on Patreon. As a funding platform, we don't host much content, but we help fund creations across the internet. As a result, we review creations posted on other platforms that are funded through Patreon. Sargon is well known for his collaborations with other creators, and so we apply our community guidelines to those collaborations, including this interview. In our community guidelines, we state that we don't allow hate speech. Part of how we define hate speech in those policies is hate speech includes serious attacks or even negative generalizations of people based on their race and sexual orientation. We also say when reviewing an account for a potential hate speech violation, we consider some of the following questions. Is the creator using racial slurs or negative depictions of a protected class? In this case, Sargon used racial slurs to insult others and specifically linked those slurs with negative generalizations of behavior in contrast to how people of other races act. He also used a slur to related to sexual orientation to generally insult others. Excuse me. Taken in whole with all the context, this vi violates our community guidelines. We understand some people don't believe in the concept of hate speech. And don't agree with Patreon removing creators on the grounds of violating our community guidelines for using hate speech. We have a different view. Patreon does not and will not condone hate speech in any of its forms. We stand by our policies against hate speech. We believe it's essential for Patreon to have strong policies against hate speech to build a safe community for our creators and their patrons. I think... I don't I don't even know what to say to that. I don't want to really get into it to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down in that too much, but yeah, it's 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 a fucked up situation. Yeah, it's kinda messed up. We'll see what happens. I mean, like I say, you can, the hope is that enough of it makes an alternative, a viable alternative. Actually I think we're on subscribe star. We haven't done much on there other than sign up for it. 
I just have a limited understanding of the hate speech, like the whole the whole thing. I don't understand why somebody can just choose those things and call it hate speech when there's a whole bunch of other but hate short, speech going fat, on. And balding is okay, or orange, or orange, yeah, man, orange. Man. That's not hate speech, but that's right because he's a certain race. I guess I. It's just it just I don't know. It's just weird to me. So I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, I'm short, so I can't help that. Right. That's right. Well, you could. What if I didn't smoke when I was eighteen or nineteen? Yeah. I, I drink did. less coffee. I didn't smoke till I was in my twenties. So. I don't know. Maybe stretch. I'd already stopped growing. You could do more then. stretching. Remember that song? Man, I should put post that. Short people got no reason to live, or whatever. That's hate speech. Hate speech, baby. We better get the fuck out of here. We got an interview in like okay, seven Okay, so we got to talk at Cat. He's messaging Kat. me. Randall Carlson contacted the cabin. Yeah. In May. May. He's going to be with us in the cabin, this huge cabin in Colorado for like 10 days. Yeah. And you guys are welcome to join us. It's going to be awesome. 10 bedroom cabin. So check out the show notes for the link to the There's a link for a website. There's that. a flyer. Yeah. It's uh, there's rooms. Randall's staying at the house with you, so it's basically three days of hanging out with Grimerica and Randall Carlson and going on tours and awesome we'll feed you, and it'll be a fantastic time. Uh, we're running up on it, so but uh, and we're going. We're going to be uh, we're doing the Fandango here in a few minutes, where we'll get into it there as well. So there'll be plenty of time later today to talk about Cap. And I and I forgot about uh, you. You forgot the UFO quote. I've got a quick one here. The UFOs are no figment of the imagination. That's from Lieutenant Colonel Lou Corbin, Army Intelligence. Boom. There you have it. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy this chat with... Uh, Richard and others, maybe. Richard and <laughs> others. And Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. Yeah. We got a special uh, last minute episode here. It's about 9 11. There's a breakthrough for 9 11 Truth and Justice. And instead of doing uh, the three long bios here, we have three guests with us tonight. We've got Barbara Honiger with us, David Meiswinkel, Winkle, and Richard Gage. And we're just going to get them to do a quick little rundown about their background. And then we're going to get into this. Uh, this 9 11 and the pieces that are, you know, new to this puzzle here. So welcome to the show, guys. All right. Thank you very Thank much. You. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks. So, Dave, we'll start with you and uh, and and your do a quick little bio of yourself here and uh, save me the the mispronunciations and all that, and, and we'll <laughs> then we'll jump over to Barbara and then we can uh, get going. Oh, thank you very much for having us on. 
I'm uh, presently a criminal trial attorney, a defense attorney. And uh, prior to that, I was a police officer for 23 years. I'm a retired police officer. I'm also presently the uh, president of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. And uh, just recently, we filed in April and then in July, a petition to the United States Attorney in the Southern District in New York City for a, a federal grand jury. And uh, that's in part why we're here to tell you about that. Nice. I like that's the sounds of a grand jury. Yeah. And Barbara, how about yourself? Well, that was a short bio, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a very long, impressive bio. We yeah. all do. I'm afraid. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll have to make mine short too. Um, so, what are the highlights? Well, for tonight's show, I suppose what matters is first and foremost, I'm on the board um, of the Lawyers Committee for 9 11 Inquiry. Uh, there are eight of us on the board, including Dave and our litigation director, Mick Harrison, and a number of other great uh, board members, including uh, the famous actor and truth and justice activist, Ed Asner. So I'm on the board of the Lawyers Committee. Um, for about 16 years, I was the senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School, which is DOD's premier science, technology, and national security affairs graduate research university. That's a mouthful, but that's what DOD bills the Naval Postgraduate School as. So I was the senior military affairs journalist there, a very high level position in military affairs. And I've also served in the White House and the Department of Justice uh, in high-level positions. And so that's, and I'm, I've been a 9-11 truth activist, uh, public speaker, researcher, and author uh, ever since day one of 9-11. Nice. Right on. Well, Richard, you've been on the show before, and a lot of our listeners have, have heard you speak and, and heard your bio, but you might as well say a little bit about, uh, you know, what's, what's going on currently with you in this new initiative and, uh, and a little bit about your bio. Thank you. Um, I've been an architect for 30 years, and uh, 12 years ago, uh, I came across a radio interview that changed my life. It was David Ray Griffin, who's now written 10 books on the subject of 9-11 and what really happened at the World Trade Center skyscrapers. We now have 3,000 architects and engineers signed onto the petition at AE 9-11 Truth, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, demanding a new investigation of what happened at the three World Trade Center skyscrapers. So uh, for 12 years, we've been waiting for a moment like this that we're going to be hearing about today. What's, um, when did, uh, you know, it's funny you say, Barbara mentioned day one. I just actually read an essay that was written on December 12th, 2001, from a fellow named Dave McGowan a few weeks ago that seemed to be pretty poignant. But um, what, uh what sort of started the the architects and engineers for 9-11 and and how did that sort of get the steam because i mean from my point of view and i was actually arguing with someone in the chat room the other day about this but uh from my point of view it would seem like you guys are kind of in the unique position of having in a lot of sense i mean whether people want to admit it or not probably the most authority to sway any real public opinion yeah yeah three thousand architects and engineers is a lot i mean if that many architects and engineers signed a statement uh, telling you that your house was in danger of collapse, would you listen to them? <laughs> Most uh, would. And, and so we got started um, uh, at the first firm that I worked for. I had uh, 15 architects there. 
And they thought I was nuts, as I had just kind of recently found out about this material, so I was talking around. But until I bribed them with pizza in the conference room and forced <laughs> them to watch a 45-minute presentation on the evidence that we're going to be hearing about today and that the grand jury is going to be hearing about uh, pretty soon here, uh, they were all convinced, and they all signed my petition, except for the one Middle Easterner, my <laughs> boss, uh, who uh, was concerned uh, about uh, the ramifications of uh, signing on to such such a thing. So now we have thousands, and yes, uh, it's getting all, all around the country and around the world. We've done 600 presentations now uh, and about 600 radio interviews, and uh, we've been pushing hard to get a real investigation. That's our mission, an investigation, an unimpeachable investigation of the destruction of these three World Trade Centers skyscrapers. But uh, now we have the opportunity to do it. And I can't wait to hear more from the attorneys on the panel here today. That's great. And I do want to say before we before we jump into it too far that you guys have made a lot of headway. I mean, even since we last talked, Richard, but in the last five or 10 years, this thing is no longer an extreme conspiracy. It's 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 well accepted in the public that something you know fishy is going on here, and it's 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 kind of in the mainstream now that this is uh, this is somewhat accepted by a lot of people that you know it's not uh, not exactly what they say, and it's thanks to your group and a lot of other groups out there that are just uh, you know trying to move this forward. So thank you guys, Dave. Do you want to jump into that a little yeah, bit more I, about I, that? Sure. Uh, how I got involved. Uh, being a police officer, the uh, the protocol for handling the evidence seemed to be lacking. And uh, in 2009, as an independent with the designation uh, Middle Class Empowerment, I ran as one of nine candidates for governor in New Jersey against Chris Christie and John Corzine. And at that time, I was the only candidate that stressed the need for a new 9-11 investigation or investigation. Uh, because the first one was seemed to be uh, not done to get to the truth. I didn't know uh, architects and engineers existed in 2010. So I was basing it on common sense as a police officer. But uh, as soon as I saw their material and started reading it and seeing it was backed by uh, scientific analysis, there was no, uh, in other words, they were presenting an objective picture as best I could see. And there was no politics involved in it. This was just uh, pure science. And that's what attracted me to architects and engineers to look at their work, because there was people here, not uh, from any particular political persuasion, but were looking as scientists at the evidence. And, uh, and then uh, going forward, uh, I hooked up with a, a number of attorneys that uh, were of, of similar ilk that thought there was a lot of problems and a lot of them had been educated through architects and engineers. And we took the material they did for the most part, a lot of the hard work over all these years, and it was packaged in a legal format to allow us to present it now to the, to the grand jury and or to the U.S. attorney to present to the grand jury. So that's my uh, coming to this 9-11 evidence. Uh, it was uh, at beginning. Uh, to me, very suspicious, and I think it would be to most uh, police officers and firemen for a number of reasons. Uh, but the uh, science I didn't have at the time, although common sense could tell you something. But once the science came, it was no longer a question. So 
So if, uh, if people would uh, listen to what the architects and engineers have said, or read the petition we have on our, our website, it's lc4for911.org, where the petition is laid out, 52 pages, and where the 57 exhibits are, are pre uh, presented. So the individual listener can actually go on there and look at what the grand jury we we suspect and not suspect we uh, we believe are that this or we we listen we we believe that this will be shown to the grand jury. It's supposed to be uh, by obligation of the law. So uh, anyway, that's how I got involved in, in the uh, powerful presentations of the architects and engineers. Nice. Is that was it a sig? Was it a matter of getting a, a certain amount of signatures together, or what? What sort of pushed it over the top? No, it, not not at all. Uh, let me. Uh, this is the the letter that they gave us. Uh, it says we have received uh, and reviewed the lawyers committee for nine eleven inquiry in corporate submissions of April tenth and July thirtieth two thousand eighteen. We will comply with the provisions of 18 USC 3332 as they relate to your submissions. And what that uh, statute is, is that when we give them the evidence, uh, our group gave them the evidence, they have a requirement, if it's reasonable evidence, and this is, to uh, call a special grand jury and to present the evidence uh, to the grand jury. That's not something that's discretionary. That's a, a mandatory requirement. So that's where we stand right now. They've acknowledged the receipt of our petition and the amended petition, which uh, just added a few extra crimes dealing with explosions or explosives. And uh, we uh, have gotten notice in November. So Oh, wow. Very fresh. Yes. So we got notice that they are, are complying with the law. So, uh, you know, we have communication with them via uh emails and uh, we're waiting for a response because we would like to present and with the assistance of architects and engineers present some of their evidence and in part that's why we are having a joint fundraising because we're going to try to do all that we can uh to assist this becoming a reality that the grand jury will get a full picture of the evidence of what happened in New York as far as the cause of the this disaster. And as you may know, the uh, official story is that fires brought the buildings down. And as Richard can tell you, that's uh, unfounded for a number of reasons. And that the real story is that controlled demolitions, bombs and explosives were used. That is the narrative that is projected and, and explained in the petition and which the exhibits uh, categorically explain. So what we're saying is this not a uh, you know, we're not thinking this is right. We're saying this is dispositive. This is conclusive evidence that explosions, bombs, and controlled demolition was involved in bringing the three stories, three buildings down, three giant hot skyscrapers. And this is really unprecedented. There's never been a presentation of this evidence ever in any court in this country. So this is the first time and Richard can correct me, he's been on it longer than I have as far as the evidence that I know of, uh, the evidence being actually presented to lay people like yourself and out there. The grand jury is composed of 23 people. So these are 23 people 
that are, are chosen usually from a voter registration logs and things of that nature. And uh, they are going to sit on the case of maybe of their life as far as looking at this evidence. Wow, that's exciting. So is um, is it still the same, similar to when we talked to Richard before? I think the architects and engineers were staying somewhat away from, from uh, the whodunit part of it and keeping it more to the physical um, evidence? Right. Well, we're, we've sort of passed that stage. And, oh, uh, wow. We're we're no, working tough. on a, uh, a a a supplement that we're going to be providing, and uh, we will go into that. I'm not going to go into that here, but uh, you would call that something like persons of material information. Yeah, these are people that may be helpful uh, to the grand jurors in uh, in making their way through this complicated maze to investigate it. And uh, we can assume that, that maybe people probably will be new to this uh, information. So that, that's the plan. We haven't done it yet, but it's in the works to uh, take it another step further to assist the uh, grand jury and assist the U.S. attorney in presenting a coherent uh, a factual uh, a statement, but a uh, exploration of the, uh, of the crime. So that might be very important, as you just mentioned. Yeah, I'd like to is... add to that if I could. Yep, please do. Yeah, okay, so this is Barbara. And uh, people need to understand that the purpose of the grand jury, and we're talking about a federal special criminal grand jury that will be convened if it isn't already, and that people need to know that if you go to our website, the Lawyers Committee website, www.lcfor911.org, that's lc 4 911.org, you will easily see where to read the full petition and the 57 exhibits that go with it. And when you read them, you better be sitting down because they prove compellingly beyond the shadow of a doubt for any juror that the official story of what brought down the towers and World Trade Seven on 9-11 in, in New York City is false. It's a lie. And that all of the 9-11 wars and millions of people's deaths and displacements are based upon a huge Hitlerian level lie. Now, people also need to understand that the purpose of a grand jury, which is secret, grand juries are secret. They come from British law, British history and law. The purpose of grand juries is eventually to identify who the real perpetrators were and to indict the real perpetrators. So we're, we've taken this now from what architects and engineers and other outstanding professional investigators have done. We've taken the forensic evidence now and we, are, we have packaged it in the legal framework and presented it to the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, who on November 7th of this year sent us an official letter signed by the Assistant U.S. Attorney for Counterterrorism. This is the top person for this field of investigation. And so 20, when you read that petition and those exhibits, just remember that everything you're reading, those 23 fellow American citizens are going to be reading all of that proof themselves. Proof that the planes could not have done it and therefore that the whole hijacker and plane story is irrelevant to why everyone died at the World Trade Centers on 9-11. That's what matters. If, if I could add to that, too, is the, the statute, so your listeners can hear it or, or look it up, it's 18 U.S.C. Code 
3332, it's the powers and duties. And it says, it shall be the duty of each such grand jury impaneled within any judicial district to inquire into offenses against the criminal laws of the United States alleged to have been committed within this district. Such alleged offenses may be brought to the attention of the grand jury by the court or by any attorney appearing on behalf of the United States for the presentation of evidence. Any such attorney receiving information concerning such an alleged offense from any other person shall, if requested by such other person, inform the grand jury of such alleged offenses, the identity of such other person, and such attorney's actions or recommendations. Now, the uh, law that we're saying were violated, or the, 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 the crimes, were originally just the federal law criminalizing bombings of places of public use and government facilities. To make it stronger, we, we included in July uh, three additional counts. Federal law criminalizing acts of terrorism transcending national boundaries, federal law criminalizing and providing support to terrorists, and federal law criminalizing the killing of a federal government agent and employee. Some FBI personnel were killed. Now, other in addition to those uh, counts, they all have conspiracy and aiding and abetting counts. So it's not just, uh, you know, one person here. You know, we're talking about a network, perhaps. We're talking about at, at least uh, the, the, uh, the crimes out there are, uh, could be looked at that way because we're charging conspiracy and aiding and abetting. So that in part, what your question was before as to whether you're pointing fingers at people. Well, uh, the, uh, the statute would say that certainly they would go in that direction or they could go in the direction to look for conspirators. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think this will make any ripples in the mainstream? Uh, well, or have you had any luck in the mainstream no, so far? Good, I've seen a, a, a press release here from the DOJ, but has I, I haven't heard anything. I mean, when yeah. I got the phone call from one of your guys' volunteers yesterday, it was it was news to me, and I I consider myself fairly plugged in. Right. Well, listen. What you asked that's a really good question, and what I like to say is this is a litmus test. And it's a, it's a tragedy and it's pathetic that it's taken 17 years to get to this point. Had the uh, government had the integrity at the beginning to do a proper investigation, uh, we won't be on your show today. And there probably wouldn't be a rollback of our constitutional rights and all the freedoms. And we probably wouldn't have went to Iraq to kill a million people, et cetera. Uh, so uh, definitely, you know, there's uh, there's 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 problems there. Definitely problems. Well, I'd like to add to that also that people need to remember that about 6,000 9-11 victims family members have a, a current lawsuit against Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is not uh, one of the most favorite uh, alleged allies of the United States right now since the horrible uh, murder and dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi. So that suit is going to go forward and there is no way that the mainstream media is not going to cover that. So our action is at the same time as the oh official God. Motley Rice lawsuit on behalf of about 6,000 9-11 victims, family members against Saudi Arabia. And there is a possibility that they can dovetail in some way with the mainstream media. Once that, once they get into court, they're in the discovery phase right now. Once those 6,000 9-11 victims, family members have their day in court, which they now will, thanks to the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act passing, 
uh, we will be able to piggyback on that. And I'd just like to also add that when our Lawyers Committee press release was put out by PR Newswire in late November, um, letting the world know, the mainstream media know, mainstream media and television and press know that our November 7th letter from the U.S. Attorney's Office has, had come uh, and uh, pending uh, the link, uh, embedding the link to the U.S. Attorney's letter itself. That is an official action by the federal court there by ground zero. And when that press release went out, within 24 hours, it was picked up and reproduced in full with all of the embedded links to our petition, our exhibits, and the U.S. Attorney's letter stating that they would be giving our evidence to the federal special criminal grand jury. It was picked up and put out in full with all the embedded links by over 165 mainstream newspapers, television channels, television networks, etc. And I'd be happy to send you the list of those that reproduced our press release on their websites. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Now, I mean, I'm going to speculate a little here. I don't expect any of you guys to comment. You probably shouldn't, but uh, I can't just leave this line there. So I'd, what if it was all by design? You know, you got the Khashoggi thing that gets the fucking everyone pissed off at Saudi Arabia, and then this thing happens, and it all sort of rolls out that the public's ready to demonize Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> yeah, it might help. Yeah. 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 Anyway, back to the show. So, Richard, do you want to just review maybe uh, some of the evidence that uh, that you guys will be providing just for people that, uh, you know, haven't heard uh, it lately? This one's yeah, for you, Geo, in the chats, who I was still arguing with about 9-11 truth just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Electricians. Yeah, uh, the grand jury is going to see 57 exhibits uh, as soon as they get impaneled. And um, <clears throat> this is an incredible array of information already, but we're putting together more. Uh, they're going to see 118 uh, quotes, uh, even even listen to the firefighters themselves, because they were recorded orally. Uh, 118 of them describing sounds of explosions, a hearing explosions, seeing explosions, being blown around in the buildings by explosions. When the, and these are most of these are explosions before the collapse even happens. We're talking about explosion, uh, like a belt, they say, all wrapping all the way around the building, one of them. And, and then the next thing you know, the building is coming down. So again and again, through most of these witnesses, we're talking about explosions before anybody's ever seeing the collapse of the buildings. In many cases, there are explosions before the airplane even hits the building. Yes particularly in the North Tower. There's three witnesses alone uh, that uh, document this. There's a, hundred, uh, there's a 10 ton hydraulic press that is destroyed in the basement before even planes are hitting the building. Why? Well, we might speculate, perhaps they were trying to destroy the sprinklers so that they wouldn't put out the fires that were developed after all that jet fuel went into the building. So, the other thing they're going to be looking uh, quite carefully at is the evidence of explosions up above. We're told, for instance, by NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, that the part, in the case of the North Tower, 15 stories above the point of jet plane impact, drove the rest of the building down to the ground and then destroyed itself. And, and yet, uh, that's not what we see. All the videos show that this upper part 
is destroying itself. It's uh -huh. telescoping down. It's basically being liquefied, the structure inside. There's nothing left almost to destroy the rest of the building down. None of the photos, none of the videos show any such thing. So the videos themselves completely disprove the official story. After that point, well, uh, by the way, at that point, we don't have a jolting or a hesitation or an impact associated with this 15-story section. Uh, what we see is a sudden, smooth, sim uh, nearly symmetrical, um, in the case of Building 7, virtually symmetrical. Uh, and in, in each of these three cases, there's a sudden acceleration straight down through the path of what should have been the greatest resistance, the 100,000 tons of structural steel in the case of the towers, 40,000 in, in the case of Building 7. Now, what do I mean when I say Building 7? Most architects and engineers, in fact, know nothing about the third worst structural failure in modern history. This is a 47-story skyscraper that on the afternoon of 9-11, after witnesses hear explosions at about 5.20 uh, in the afternoon, the, the building drops like a rock straight down, uniformly, symmetrically, into its own footprint. And the center of this building's in the center of the pile in the exact manner of a classic controlled demolition in under seven seconds. So you look, the, the jurors are going to look at that evidence and say, oh my God, I've seen this before. Where have I seen this? Hmm. Well, it's the old hotels in Las Vegas where they bring the buildings down purposefully uh, into uh, their own footprint by the means of implosion with pre-placed explosives in the building. Well, in the case of the Twin Towers, what that results in after the first four seconds when this upper part is destroyed, laterally, freely flying structural steel sections sent laterally at 80 miles an hour, landing 600 feet in every direction, freely flying structural steel sections. Not like a banana peeling like they try to tell us. The videos are, are completely clear. And they're also clear that these structural steel sections are trailing thick white smoke clouds. What are those? Steel is not combustible at, the, at normal office fire temperatures or with jet fuel for that matter. Uh, th this is the evidence of thermite. Thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. It leaves molten iron and it leaves uh, ox aluminum oxide ash as its byproduct. And what do we see pouring out of the South Tower minutes before its collapse? Streams of molten iron. We can tell it's 2,800 degrees by its color. The material held in the crab claw excavators is pouring molten, um, they call it molten steel on the job site. It's, it turns out to be molten iron. Mm. Uh, the, the first responders documented, the structural engineers documented, all of these pools of molten iron which also occur in the form of previously molten iron microspheres documented by who? The US Geological Survey and RJ Lee, an environmental consulting firm, doing uh, dozens and dozens of separate samples, but they find the same molten iron microspheres in all these dust samples. They can't tell, they don't tell us where they're coming from. They, they don't even speculate, they don't know. 
but they're formed during the event, according to R.J. Lee. We're talking about 10 tons of molten iron microspheres. Where do those come from? Molten iron, again, is the byproduct of thermite. What else is found throughout the World Trade Center? Uh, we have small red-gray chips found in all the samples collected by an independent team of international scientists led by Niels Herrett and Stephen Jones. And what do they find? Uh, these curious red-gray chips are red on one side, gray on the other. The red side is composed of what? Iron, uh, iron oxide and aluminum powder, the ingredients of thermite. They come up to a magnet. They get real curious. They zoom in 50,000 times. What do they find? The uh, iron oxide crystals and aluminum platelets uh, at the nanoscale, a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. So they're, they're going, oh my God, what is this? Well, this is the ingredients of thermite in all of these chips, which look like paint, but are not paint. They put them in a heater, a, a differential scanning calorimeter, and they ignite at uh, 420 degrees centigrade, 758 or so uh, Fahrenheit. What happens when they ignite? They produce molten iron microspheres. So we know where those molten iron microspheres came from, that they were found by R.J. Lee and the U.S. Geological Survey. They came from those chips. So they were it's like it was painted on then, basically. What? It was painted on then, possibly. Painted on. Yeah. Well, oh, the, the nano the thermite. Yeah. It's a dual layer, and their chips very much appears like they were applied uh, with a fluid, perhaps a spray, uh, under the guise perhaps of fireproofing, because it turns out that the the floors associated with the uh, airplane impacts, which is different level in each of the buildings, thirty stories down in the case of the South Tower, fifteen stories down in the case of the North Tower. Those specific floors, about five floors above and below the point of jet plane impacts, did undergo a special fireproofing upgrade. So could that have been done at that time uh, un under the guise of that, uh, that upgrade? Yeah, yeah, Maybe. Yeah. So there's a whole lot more, including explosions going off 20, 40, 60 stories down below the point of jet plane impacts before the collapse even happens. All these explosions at 20, uh, 160 feet per second uh, propelled uh, these uh, solid ejections. Uh, this is not air pressure like NIST is telling us from that upper part blowing down, uh, but uh, by, uh, by explosions. So this is just the beginning of some of that evidence that the grand jury is going to be looking at. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and, well, the, and I mean, the stuff that we, I don't think we talked about it last time, but the real to. visible evidence will be that top section, like you talked about, the 15 floors. And if it came down on top of a building that was cut in half, like it would Shit be at the over. bottom, at the bottom, it would be somewhat intact, you'd think. If or if nothing else, it, deal, it should have deal. fallen over off the side at some point. Yeah. It's yeah, just ridiculous. Some, yeah. yeah. And That's you, a more reasonable expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's if there's going to be an impact, it's going to meet cold, hard steel yeah, that's not yeah. under fire, right? Yeah. And, and it's going to hesitate. Eventually, and, and, it's going to hit the then, shitty welder's sides, and his welds are going to start to break yeah. faster. And <laughs> you know what, too? It's to to follow what Richard said, and he mentioned it, is that there were 118 firemen that uh, – basically made statements to their department that they heard or experienced explosions, bombs, 
And this was documented by Graham McQueen, who got a hold of those testimonies uh, through a, uh, a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, action against the city of New York. They didn't want to release it. The New York wow. Times got them. And he uh, went through 10,000 pages or so. And he had a real strict uh, categories. So if it wasn't ne necessarily saying bombs or explosions, he didn't include it, even though he thought it, it may indicate that. So 118 firemen, and I believe there was altogether 155 first responders. And you can think now, I've done some criminal trials, and you have a witness basically to crimes, and the 9-11 investigation committee that was run by uh, Tom Kane and oversaw by uh, Zelikow, Philip Zelikow, to my knowledge, they didn't have firemen coming in and, and testifying. And uh, to me, that's, that's devastating if you have all those firemen. And at the same time, they, according to uh, Shem Sundar, and I think the NIST people, that's the National Institute for Standards and Technology, they didn't really check for bombs and explosives, all right? That would be the, the most uh, logical hypothesis to check for. And even, as I mentioned before, the, uh, with regards to spoilation of the firemen would, would be looking for that. They'd be looking for ex accelerants and explosives. And that was never done. So just the, the thinking, too, that the firemen lost approximately, I think, 348 firemen died that day. In a sense, they've been written out of history because their testimony is, is not in history. Uh, in this document, uh, the grand jury petition is one of our exhibits. It's the 118 firemen, you can hear what and, and, or you can read what they saw. And, uh, and they're in, the, in the, uh, the exhibits because each one of them are referencing explosions in the building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if I could add, uh, what our grand jury is going to be, our federal criminal special grand jury is going to be seeing in all this evidence, they're going to realize very quickly, very quickly, that number one, the official story cannot be true that the buildings came down because of planes that had been commandeered by alleged hijackers. Uh, number two, uh, they are going to learn that the World Trade Center towers were designed and built to explicitly withstand the kind of impact of a huge commercial jetliner uh, that actually uh, the, the quality and the force of the building uh, of the jetliners that hit the buildings on 9-11. They were, they were pre-designed and built to withstand that. These buildings did not come down for that reason. Therefore, all of these deaths, close to 2,000 deaths, I believe, at the World Trade Center Towers, are not due to hijackers hijacking planes. And when the, when the jurors realize this, their job, they're going to realize that their job is to identify who pre-placed, who pre-placed the nanothermite, the military-grade super- military-grade nanothermite in those towers and other explosives. There were probably other explosives as well. That is the real reason for the deaths of all of our fellow American citizens. Yeah. Will you guys be able to show sample beams? So the beams with, with, that, are, that were in there were huge, right? I mean, um, very thick, massive beams. I mean, it would be nice if you could bring a section of a, a big beam just as a physical sample of like this is Check the this you know out. this is the strength and the size of these beams i mean it's it's unbelievable that yeah at mid height uh, we're talking uh 30 inches by 16 <laughs> inches yeah. and two inches thick 
these beams in solid steel, 52 yeah. inches by uh, 22 inches at the bottom. And then, but at the top, you see, this is the, the interesting point. The lightest steel is at the top. These are virtual pyramids. We, we have three eighths inch thick steel at the very top. So you have the lightest part of the structure, we're being told, destroyed the heavier, cold, hard, intact steel all the way down to the ground. This violates the laws of the conservation of momentum, which says when two bodies collide, there's an equal and opposite force uh, of destruction. Now, the attorneys are going to be presenting this, uh, additional evidence in the form of uh, amendments to the petitions of the grand jury has to see it. And they've got hundreds of hours of work yet to do. And so I wanted to thank you guys for having us on because it's really important that we fund the attorneys to do this work. So right now we're in the middle of a $50,000 fund drive. Actually, we're, we're near the end of it. Fortunately, if, if with this radio show we could complete it, that would be incredible. We're talking about another $5,000 left to go. And we're, we're, so we're looking at people who can help us uh, fund the attorneys with all the work that they have to do and the architects and engineers who have to put the declarations uh, together for the explosive testimony from each of the experts and their uh, credentials and so forth. And uh, Mick and, I mean, uh, Dave and Barbara can uh, share uh, all the work that has to be done yet. So I'm just encouraging everybody, though, who's listening to support the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry by going to lc911.org or ae911truth.org. Either way, this is a joint project, and these funds are sorely needed for the coming work that has to be done. Yeah, and when do you think that that'll happen, uh, the grand jury thing? Is it, are we talking a, a couple months away? Um, well, yeah, the grand jury can last uh, up to 18 months, and it can be extended also. Yeah. So this is people are going to be in for a long haul here, and we're going to uh, periodically update them, hopefully, as uh, we are continuing investigating this, and uh, Architects and Engineers is doing the same thing. So there are things too that are called Freedom of Information Acts actions, or in a in a state, say in, in New Jersey, it's called Open Public Records Act or uh, Right to Know Act in Pennsylvania. So there's state actions too if we wanted to gather evidence, and we plan to do that. Now there's witnesses to prepare too, both uh, experts who are going to be testifying, and uh, we're going to prepare declarations for them, and also for lay witnesses. Uh, we may eventually we want to be able to uh, present to the grand jury and we hope to have a dialogue with the U.S. attorney as friends and associates in the sense that we're there to help them out. And it, the architects and engineers is, is in the same position. Someday, if if, if the best possible scenario happened, uh, we wouldn't even mind being able to uh, be invited to present to Congress all this information. Of course, that's a long ways off. And uh, maybe it's wishful thinking. It's it's in the uh, it's in the possibilities, the realm of possibilities. And uh, before April of this year, that would have never even been considered. All right, because there wasn't uh, a grand jury acknowledgement that uh, we had the U.S. Attorney, the Southern District Court of Manhattan. That's where the twin towers were, and he's basically saying there's enough reasonable evidence here to present to a special grand jury. And he's going to abide by the law, which obligates him to present that evidence. 
it's stunning and it's 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 a game changer in a way yeah. and it's a, it's a sense of the energies are now we're pushing back on what's been what we've been overflowed with all these years uh it's a sense that we're always pushing against the tide right now and just for this little time in history we ha- are going with the tide or with you know the winds behind us in a sense so we hope that this continues we expect it to continue and uh, we're just going to keep just plug away and do what we have to do as attorneys to prepare for it and i know the architects and engineers are going to do that too so preparation is very key to success barbara do you want to add to that richard said uh, this is barbara i'd like to add what richard said about our our joint fund drive um to my knowledge this is truly historic this joint fund drive Uh, to my knowledge uh, richard can correct me if i'm incorrect but I don't believe that Architects and Engineers has had a joint project with another major organization before uh, on 9-11. And that's what our joint fundraising project is. And just because we're only $5,000 from approximately from our $50,000 goal for our December fundraising project, please, people, if there are angels out there, we need to raise beyond our $50,000 as much as we can. We put, we put out the number $50,000 because we didn't think we would be able to reach that. And we're almost already there and it's not even the end of December. So the, our fundraising drive goes beyond uh, when we reach our goals. So don't let the $50,000 mark stop. And, and, and to, to echo what Barbara said, that's a minimal goal. Yes. That's not our optimal goal. That's not our maximum goal. And uh, basically, we reached our minimal goal. And, uh, you know, shortly uh, we we'll, might e- announce a, an optimal goal. So if anyone wants to help, certainly uh, through contributions, please send them to at least Richard can give his website. But ours is lcfor911.org. And uh, Richard, why don't you take it off? Yeah, no, this is fantastic. Before you finish off there, Richard, I mean, this is the one chance you guys have, right? I mean, this has been building up. You guys have been working on this for deck for for years, years and years, and this yeah. is the one chance. So this so is the, the planets have yeah. coalesced perfectly in time and space <laughs> moment, and uh, we're funding the attorneys who can make the difference in yeah. saving our country. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, really, what happened after nine eleven? We're talking about a, a six trillion dollar global war on terror. Hey, it all goes back to nine eleven which was a giant scam. We lost uh, our civil liberties through the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, where any of us can be arrested without a right to a lawyer, a trial, a jury. We can be tortured, even assassinated. That's the state of affairs right now. And it's because of 9-11. We've got to pull the rug out from the aftermath of 9-11 by going to the grand jury, making sure they have the information they need, making sure that U.S. attorney gives them that information, and yes, uh, supporting the the attorneys uh, at ae911truth.org. Excellent. Darren, do you have anything to add before we wrap it up? And we're going to have all these websites in the show notes, and we really encourage people to to help support this initiative. Does does administration... uh, have anything to do with the breakthrough, do you think? Is it, does that just timing or? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows that, but 
Uh, we're not in a vacuum. There's a context here, a political context, a historical context, and we may have friends that normally we wouldn't have, which I mean the, the people of this country may have friends they, they normally wouldn't have because of whatever happened politically. So uh, I think we just go with the flow in that regard. Right now, the, the gate is opening and we're in it. We're yeah. inside. Yeah, We're inside the uh, whatever you want to call it, the castle. All right. So uh, let's do what we can do to make sure that uh, the truth uh, uh, is predominant here and that the truth uh, is, is known eventually to everyone in this country. That's right. The the legal rubber has met the road with this this grand jury. This is everybody's chance to make history. Please help us. Please donate. And when you do donate to either of our websites on this joint fundraising project, please do so before the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, that's we'll, we'll that's the uh, the end of our fund joint fundraising project. Excellent. All right, All right yeah. guys. Well, thanks awesome. so much for Hopefully coming on and sharing out. this. I yeah. mean, we got the 28 pages last yeah. year, and then everything sort of went away. It's exciting to hear things are still moving forward. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, guys. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, we'll put all yeah, the links absolutely. there. You guys, uh, I, I forwarded your email off, Richard, to a couple other of the bigger shows that I know that we're in uh, that we're in contact with, so they might email you over the next couple of days. Uh, Thanks, the, the one guy that I'm not in touch with that I should mention, I don't know if you're in touch with him or not, is I know, like, I didn't even realize it, but Richard Dolan just did, like, an hour and a half 9-11 scam video on on September 11th this year. Wow. On what 17 right. years of scamming and wow. lies have done to us. And, I mean... The uh, Dolan's getting, you know, north of 100,000 views, 200,000 views, 300,000 views on all of his stuff. So if, if you guys have wow. an in there, it'd definitely be worth pursuing. I mean, I he's, know Richard 10 times, he's 10 right. times our audience. Let's contact him. Yeah. Excellent, guys. All right. Right on, guys. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for thinking of us. And uh, if there's anything else, uh, give us a shout and we'll get you on as quick as we can. Thank you, Gramerica. All right. Okay, guys. Thank okay. You. Have a good night. Good luck. Night. night. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry did. Christmas. Merry Christmas. And that was another chat. Wow. Richard Gage. That's exciting. David. I'm pumped. Barbara. That's exciting. That is pretty exciting, eh? Yeah. They got all their stuff together. You mean we can go on the site and take a look at it all? A grand jury. Yeah. Who would have thought? Maybe it's Mueller. You know, Mueller was the acting FBI director when it all happened, right? <laughs> and somehow he gets pulled out of retirement a couple of days later after the new election. And Interesting. What, when, what, what do you mean? When did he get pulled out of retirement? When Trump got elected. Oh, did he? <laughs> well, to run the grand jury against Trump. The guy who... I forgot he got pulled. I the guy who's fucking... Whose watch 9-11 happened on, who found the passport perfectly intact like a couple hours after the plane in the building incinerated, and uh, who actually is the only FBI director that got to stay past his term and illegally stay for a couple extra months and clean up his mess. Isn't he the one who signed all the passports? Is he the no, I don't think that was, that was someone else. I can't. Yeah, it was all the same guy. Uh, you know, if you guys are looking for more information, check out uh, 9-11 Trillions over at ColbertReport.com. Colbert's got a couple of really good documentaries. Colbert probably has some of the doc top documentaries out there um, for 9-11 stuff, so definitely check that stuff out. When you think about it and to think about all the things that happened with the, with the fire spraying, 
the elevator and the way construction. It and all that. And I mean, come on, there's it's ten not months, that complicated. Ten months of core elevator construction right before it happened. <laughs> oh, come on, I mean, come on, it's so obvious. It is right. It's just like uh, and the fire spray of the beams too. The Golf of I mean, they refire spray. The I did, that's the first I mean, time I heard come that. It's yeah, great. It's great. So yeah, big thanks to those guys for coming on the show. It's always nice to hear that we're in the running when when new stuff happens. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it took us five six years to get there, but here yeah. we are. Yeah. You know, it's actually Friday, the day this comes out, will be exactly six years since the Facebook page, the YouTube page, and the website launched. It all launched on December twenty first, twenty twelve. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's ooh, that's very. The stars are aligning. The numbers are coming up. The synchronicities were there. Sit, baby. Six All years right, guys. for the day. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. This you is our say, last show before Christmas. You could say that's when Grand America started because we had already yeah, discussed. We started the website. We had already was discussed the, the whole thing and yeah. all that. Yeah, Friday. And that's when this comes out. So anyway, guys, we wouldn't be here six years later without you guys. We wouldn't be having these conversations because we'd have advertising. They'd be like, fuck, no, you aren't talking 9-11 truth with these motherfuckers. But we're <laughs> like, no, we're going to do that anyway because we don't have any, any advertisers. And the only way we can do that is because of people like you. So sign up today, grammerica.ca slash support or grammerica.ca slash stripe or grammerica.ca slash Patreon. Sign up for a monthly. It's important. It matters because it solidifies independent media. Also, uh, I had something else. Oh, yeah, the newsletter. If you haven't been signed oh, up for the newsletter, you got to yeah. sign up for the newsletter. It's got a huge revamp. Graham and I are writing some little blurbs for it each week, taking turns. Some funny pics. We've got stuff. some ongoing picture contests, and they get posted in there. Um, so, yeah, all good things like that. Other than that, guys, Merry fucking Christmas, and we'll see you next week. Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather around the fireplace. Help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it. Maybe have a candy cane or two, and maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy as he listens in on the little drummer boy. I see you've acquainted yourself with T-Ron. Yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees on medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and give me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom. He's decorating the room With tinsels, ribbon, popcorn, on strings And poinsettias, they are in bloom And you might ask Who's that in the green and red Lucia Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ Feliz Navidad It's so warm and jolly Cry Merry Christmas Podcasting from the igloo Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. You'll get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you don't hit to the Grimerica show. 
so get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain. I mean, uh, let it snow, make it snow, let it snow, let it snow, make it snow. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. Boom, 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 boom.